0: First Corinthians chapter 12. We'll finish up this chapter uh, this week and then we'll get into chapter 13. Lord Billy, next week, the chapter, the uh, first part of that chapter deals with love. Just great things there to think about. And uh, then we will make our way to the end of chapter 13 and 14. Probably some of the more difficult passages in scripture in the New Testament. But I think there's good things for us to see, even if uh, there might be some debate among good Christians about some other things. There's still overall uh, good, uh, profitable things to look at. Uh, as we started this section, though, in uh, verse 14 last week, we saw that it is wrong to think you have no nothing to offer the local church or members with, uh, of a body. Uh, the Lord has gifted us. As remember, we saw the Spirit wills of so the Lord has given us gifts, brought us in the union with the fellowship. So, therefore, to think that you uh, have nothing to offer uh, the Christians is uh, to say is to cast doubt on the Lord's wisdom. Right. We also saw that it's wrong to think that you are indispensable or more important than other members. Uh, so, but two sides of that. Uh, the goal of every interaction in the church is to honor the head and to do his will and to be conformed to his image, we never want to forget that with all the things the church might do, uh, that that is the primary focus to feast on the bread of life and to be conformed to the image of God. That that first and foremost, right? We also saw that it is unbiblical to think that you can take care of yourself and have no need for anyone else, or that it is wrong to sometimes be dependent upon others. And this is true both in the church family, and life in general. Uh, we need each other. God made us social creatures. Just because there are some that do well alone does not mean that we aren't to be social creatures. You, you know, you have a group of people that uh, are uh, shipwrecked on an island. They don't go uh, their own ways. They come together. They form a society for the mutual good. That's just the way uh, we are on earth and uh And then in the spiritual kingdom, we do the same thing. Once God saves me, what, what what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to seek out the fellowship of God's people and a place where I can systematically hear from God, right? So we we, ha- we need each other. The church is necessary, and it displays the wisdom of God. So last week, we spoke mostly about Paul's point that no one is to be a lone wolf as a Christian. It suggests that you don't need anyone else and that they don't need you, which denies your gift and the wisdom of God. So uh, it works both ways. You might not think you have anything to offer, and, it, and by not engaging with the church, you rob them of what you do have to offer. Or if you don't think you need anybody else, then you uh, don't minister to them. So either way, it hurts the church. Now, as we read through our text today, we notice that Paul deals specifically with the members that are seemingly weaker and would tend to see themselves or be seen by others as not as useful to the body. And they'll cover that from both directions, those who don't see themselves as useful. But, to, but this passage, I think, comes at it more from the idea of those who don't think that everybody is as important as they are. Because remember the overall context here are that some have gifts, primarily tongues, that's kind of the underlying gift of all the of both all three chapters. And I have the gift of tongues, so I am more important than other people, and because you don't, you are less important. You're not as needful as I, and so they have been lifted up in pride, and so the the person who can't speak in tongues. Uh, has nothing to offer, supposedly, or is shunned, and you see it being worked out, do we not, in chapter eleven, where you have in that case the rich serving the poor and divisions and unloving attitudes, and that's the whole underlying reason why this is important for us to understand that we all are in this together, and that contrary to the way we might tend to think, it is the weaker or the one who doesn't seem to have all the gifts that, in some cases, are the most important, or the ones who need to really be cared for, not shunned as unimportant, but to care for them and to bring them along. And so, just as he, uh, because he's showing that this attitude completely fails in the body of Christ to think that you have a more important gift than somebody else. Just as a human body, there are many parts that are either perhaps unatt- uh, unattractive or for whatever for modesty reasons we might cover up. Uh, they might, we might, they might be covered up in the sense that they are inside of us. So they're not readily seen, but they're extremely important. They're, they're, we, we take care of them. They might be more delicate. You know, the heart cannot be on the outside, right? Of our body. It wouldn't make any sense. It would be, it would be damaged. So, it's, it's, but it's extremely important to the body overall, right? So he uses the body and God made the body to demonstrate these things. Um, you know, we paint our fingernails and our face. We shove metal rings in our ears and all these kind of things. Uh, but it's the heart. It's the lungs. It's the brain. That are necessary for life. And he says, and it's easy for a church to get so wrapped up in the, uh, one who is speaking in tongues or perhaps the, the one who's preaching or the, the great singer in the church or something that very, uh, has a great, obvious, beautiful gift, we might say, to think that that's really all that matters. And so we pay attention to them and, and the poor saint who doesn't have that but has other gifts who perhaps uh, spends hours praying for the church or serving in some way, uh, are ignored or seem like they're un, they're not important. And that's kind of what's going on here. So on the one hand, we might have a beautiful face, and we use the eyes and the ears all the time, but we don't need those things like we need the heart, for instance, or the brain. <clears throat> it's very useful to have eyesight, but you don't need eyesight to function you don't need to have a beautiful face to function right and so this is what paul is using as an example i don't spend much time thinking about my skeleton but where would i be without it and so when we look around at each other we have to use spiritual eyes or thinking what helps us reach our goal serve the kingdom increase the kingdom Edify the saints. What are the things that help somebody grow in the Lord? Be strong in tribulation. Be more thankful. Be full of joy. You know, we see someone who's struggling with joy. What are the, these are the people that we need to bring along and to focus on that the church might be stronger. I believe that if we think about this from the pastor's standpoint, we maybe can understand it to some degree. You know, it's easy to think of the church as basically identified as the pastor, the pastor of the church, or, or the elders of the church. Or we might think of the church as the building. <clears throat> and that's a whole other problem. But biblically, when I stand up here and look out at you guys, I am looking at the church, the, the flock. that That's the church, and I'm part of that. The elders are part of that, right? But, but you're the church. That's what the church is. Not the building and not just the pastor. Not just some. The church is not just composed of uh, the heart. They're, they're composed of the members. And they're nothing without you. And yes, you need a pastor. You need teachers and so forth. But we exist for uh, the, the pastor, for instance, exists for the body. Without the body, I got nothing to do. Right? Right? So we all exist for the Lord. So let me put it another way. Yes, my body parts here are primarily for the head or the person of Nathan. That's what my body is for. But my body is not just about my eyes or my hands or heart or any one member or any group of members. You know, I don't just worry about my uh, organ internal organs, like that's really all that matters. No, I, every part of my body is necessary for me to function. And, and that's why, you know, that's why the Lord created the body as he did and obviously uses that as an example because I personally, maybe you can, now I know there are people out there with disorders, but that's a whole other problem, who I can't look at any part of my body and say, you know what, I would just assume not have that. That I really don't need it. I can't think of any part of the body that I of my body that I don't use, at, you know, on a regular, pretty often, right? And, and that's what he's saying here. And so I cannot just ignore the parts of the body that I don't see. If I ignore my heart, it undermines everything. If I ignore my feet, if I when I'm washing and I and I wash, I get I get down my feet and I stop. And I just don't really think about my feet at some point I'm not they're not going to function anymore, so you don't ignore any part of your body, no matter how insignificant it might seem to you, and this is again the the point of this is that we look at each other like that, that we don't make that mistake of thinking that someone's not as important as the other. The Lord has put us together. And so just like the Lord gave me a body, and is it is unhelpful to spend time ignoring and complaining about it. This is what the Lord has given me, and so I take care of it because the, to not do so will result in needless problems. So we all have a purpose, and we are all much better off if we live accordingly, just as we would with our bodies. And it's easy to ignore parts of the church. As it is to ignore parts of the body. And and some make it easy. Because they don't interact. And they they don't maybe. They're not there that often or whatever. And so it's easy to fall into that trap. But many exercise. For instance their body. But don't eat right. Or they might try to take a whole lot of vitamins. But won't exercise. And and it defeats the overall purpose. You, You just cannot think that one thing's going to work you've got to take look at the body as a whole so unless you take care of the church body we end up failing in some aspect in serving the lord some say little or take little and we need to make sure that we uh, encourage them not to do that but to engage them they are here for a reason and and the, the perhaps someone there is older and can't engage, can't do too much, but it's 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 up to the church to uh deal with them, to minister to them, to to make sure that uh they have purpose and meaning in their life and of course their family a lot of time if they're saved can do that to some degree, but in other words we don't if there's if there's a need in your life, make it known uh especially when it comes to spiritual needs, but physical as well, that the church might help. And you say, well, well, I've got these problems, and, and I, no one ever uh, offers to help me, but nobody knows about them, then of course it's not the church's fault necessarily, although we can be guilty of not trying to find out these things too, but we, we, we're here for each other. We Remember in Romans 14, and first Corinthians 8, where we we're dealing with uh, the weak and the strong and eating meats and so forth, and Paul says that we had better take care of how we deal with the weak to do so lovingly. They are members of the body of Christ. Christ died for them. They're just not anyone that you don't need. It's not important. Christ didn't die for someone who's not important. In fact, by the mere fact that Christ has died and saved somebody brings importance to them. They, they, they are now a child of the king. So how dare we exclude or uh, belittle, or ignore such a one. And I think that Paul is getting at the fact that members who don't have the spectacular or obvious gifts are necessary and at times uh, more useful than the ones who do. In, in this case, the ones who do speak in tongues. Paul Paul's going to show that they, you know, there's, a, well, the, the very last verse of, the, of this chapter, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Uh, Speak it in tongues while it had its use during those days. There is something much more important that that we need to focus on. And We'll, we'll get to in chapter 13. So there, there will be an example. And so no doubt the one who prays fervently probably uh, do as much for this church as anyone. Those who are very faithful to support the church, to support the ministry, to be there to, uh, when things need to be done. the church wouldn't be anywhere where it is if we didn't have people who are willing to sacrifice and to work to do what needs to be done. Quite often, those who are willing to work behind the scenes to make sure the building is cared for, things that we tend to take for granted, but if they weren't there, we'd be the first to complain, right? But they're willing to exercise their gift, to do what they can. Ultimately, he's saying that the hands... For the eyes of the mouth are much like the tongues and healings and miracles. They have their uses. They're important. But they're not necessary for life. They're not necessarily the most important thing. So don't treat them like they are. Think of those who spend ungodly amounts of money and time on their looks, but never open their Bible, if they even got one, or hear it to be taught. You know, just think about uh, the way that they are uh, abusing who they are. I, I think of kind of like of the Hollywood bimbo. Someone who uh just maybe looks spectacular, would never go outside of the house until everything is right, spends money with the gym membership and makeup and the hairdresser and all that kind of things, but never read a book in her life, you know knows nothing. So she looks great. She enters the room and everybody goes, wow, she's stunning. She opens her mouth and you realize, well, no, she's not, she's not all that. She's not, she's, she's, she's worried about maybe the less important thing, right? She's not well-rounded. And it's, and that's the church. The church can, can get all bent out of sorts over the spectacular things, the things that are done at the service, during the service, and forget about Uh, the other things that are important. So he says here in verse 23, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. So there are things that we have to treat more tenderly or more differently. uh, and, And sometimes even cover up right. than others. Often the most important parts of our body are covered, either by skin or clothes or whatever. And so in verse 24, these parts must be treated with special care that not all need. And that's okay. Basically he's saying that some parts of the body are to be covered, and so we take the time to cover them and make sure they are appropriately clothed. Time that we don't need to take for our face, for instance. There are just some parts of my body that need special attention. I, I've got to I've got to take care of differently than I take care of other other, thing, uh, other parts. And so the church is like that too. There are some of us who need extra attention, and I've had to you know come to grips with that and learn that over the years. That you know I want us all to be uh, strong and faithful and and out doing this and and able to do that. Great testimonies and serving in the church and. And you know, I have to realize that not all can do to say all the, all the everything, right? And that's okay. And and there are some uh, people who uh they just require more time. They they struggle with life, perhaps, more. Now they might have someone who they're they're unhealthy and they struggle with their health, and that would be a problem. But you know, then you got some who just they just struggle with life. They're weak in, in a sense. Again, it doesn't mean they don't have a use, but it is as they struggle, and as we spend time with them, and as we take care of them, and we perhaps bring, try to strengthen them, bring them back into a place where they be a little bit more stronger, that that encourages the rest of us, and it gives us opportunity to serve, and to be patient, and to, to exercise our gifts. We, we, we can't just assume everybody is the same, even though we all want to be growing, of course, in, in, as we walk towards heaven. And so the, the point being that some might need special attention and have needs that others do not, but they are not to be considered less important because they have something to offer. And again, it's the, just because you can do something during the service that is everybody sees and might appreciate doesn't make you more important. It just means you've got that particular gift. So it is just important that we are here for that member who is struggling perhaps at home or work or school but might not have a big part in the service. He or she is a soul that has a ministry in their own right. They're part of the church. And that's why I remember last week I was talking about the the guy that was in my first church who used to to so often pray, Lord, send us the right kind of people. And how I just really kind of always bristled at that a little bit. Um, who is the right kind of people? Because we're all sinners, right? And I want to see I would love it. and I've had to probably learn this over the years a little bit, because it's easy, you know, especially if you're in a small church, or well, we need some people with some money to come in, right? Or we need some big families to come in. Well, that's all good. that's all
1: nice, but want you know, I've learned to pray, Lord, send us some people who don't have it all together. Who are struggling. Send us some people who don't know the Lord.
0: Yeah, they're not going to become members of the church right off the bat. But send us some people who need us to minister to them, to teach them something, to uh, show Christ to them. Some people who are struggling. But who don't have everything
1: together. I know We like to think we've got it
0: all together. I was listening to a uh, uh, guy the other day, talking to some, some good Christians on a podcast and, and the one guy said, you know, if if I he said I have about I think he said around a, almost a hundred thousand followers on Twitter, and he said if if they knew me, if, if they knew who I really was, I, I wouldn't have any followers. On Twitter. And I can I can appreciate that. I imagine we all can. If if you guys knew my heart, if you knew my struggles, you, you'd say, What in the world are you doing preaching, right? Well, I, I want to see some people inland like that. We pray for that. Quit, quit praying that we just Lord, grow. I mean, I want to grow. I want to see. I, I don't understand why this church isn't packed. It's not because I'm, I'm a particularly great preacher. It's because I don't know why people don't want to know about Christ. Well, I mean, I know why. But I, we need to start praying that the Lord would send us in people who have messy lives who need. That's the the kind of people that Christ came to save sinners. I came not to heal the, the well, but to heal the sick. We need some sick people because we're all sick. But the Lord can help us. So we got to be careful about how we treat and look at each other. If we're happy to do so with our bodies, then we should have no problem being like, being like that with each other. To To say, you know what, I wouldn't just cut off my hand because it happens to be hurting right now. No, I take care of it until it gets better. Because I need it. We recognize that some members need protection. And and some members can't be in the forefront sometimes, but they they have their their niche. So I hope we see the attitude here that Paul's getting at, because that's why it's going to lead us to chapter 13. As I just read here, a more excellent way um, one verse that would be helpful is First Thessalonians five, starting at verse eleven. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all, with them all. And there you see it. Uh, we're all going to have struggles. We're going to have to be uh, patient with each other. There are some who are going to have to be admonished because they're uh, they're falling into sin. They can't be tolerated. There are some who uh, don't do anything and they need to be admonished to get involved. Or perhaps they're out in the world and they don't work. And, and we've done that before. People who will not work and think people got to take
1: care of them and say, No, you need to you need to work.
0: Or whatever, just help the weak. Be patient with them all. It takes all kinds. We all aren't the same, and so we take the time to see what each other needs, and we live accordingly. So if someone comes to us and says that you know I'm really struggling in some area, uh, you know we don't just say well you know if you can't get your life together, we get out of the church. We don't need you. No, we we're here for that very reason to help somebody as long as they truly want help and they're serious about serving the Lord. Well, we need you. We want you here. And I think we can help one another. And I believe all this will be evident when we stand before Christ someday. Because remember, the greatest rewards will be going to those who we consider to be the least gifted because we don't realize what they're doing outside
1: of the service. Remember, in Matthew 25, the examples of the judgment is you gave a cup of water, you loved somebody,
0: You help somebody here, it was gifts of service. That's, that's the things that makes one great in the kingdom. So perhaps it'll be one that will just be patient regardless of the trial,
1: To remain faithful and joyful. And to me, that's one of the most encouraging people I know, the one who is joyful in tribulation,
0: uh, who has a song in their heart, who's always ready to encourage them, and you're thinking, you be so happy when you've got this, this awful situation of trying, you know, and you can't do this, you can't do that, and yet they're just
1: falling short of Christ. I, I don't know if I, anything encouraged me more than someone like that. But I think they're the ones who are going to have the great rewards in heaven.
0: And that's worth all the sermons I can preach. You know, if my teaching isn't getting us to become greater servants anyway, then it's not producing what it should. It's to prove that it should. But I have to trust the Lord, but the greatest part of the fruit of my labor, uh, in, in the day of judgment is not going to be the crowds that I have amassed, or I've not got much to look forward to, right? But it is knowing that, uh, through the preaching of God's Word, the seed was planted, that people were helped, that were strengthened, and they, uh, served the Lord faithfully because of whatever help I could offer them. You
1: know, in James and John, wanted
0: prominence in the kingdom, Jesus says, well, he points right to the cup of suffering. You want to be great in the kingdom? Get ready to suffer, to drink the cup. Because the first shall be at last, and the last first, right? So you have to think opposite of the way the world thinks, because reward will not only come in using our gifts, but in how we use our gifts, and how we use them in relationship to each other. And so verses 25 to 27, that there may be no division in the body, which, of course, was the big problem in the Corinthian church, but that the bo- the members might have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Because, be I mean, my first thought, I read that family, right? You know, if my wife, or my children got some kind of award or promotion or some great thing
1: happened to them, I wouldn't be sitting and saying no, i wish Now, I mean, you know, I'm not saying those thoughts are so, cool, so You rejoice because they're family you want, you're, you're happy. And of course, the church is just a spiritual family, right? And so if you love somebody, you're happy when they're happy, you're happy when they're blessed. You're not thinking about the fact that, well, I wish I could have had that. Now, if you love them, well, that's what he says here, in verse 26. And then verse 27 says, "Now you are
0: the body of Christ, and individually, individual members of it." And so, what 27 is kind of a summary of what he said up to this point, right? You are the body of Christ, and corporately and individually members of that body. And I think that proves my point because it says. The reason all, uh, all this is important is so that all are cared for and treated the same because there aren't unimportant sheep. We're talking about souls, not body parts. In other words, that's when the, the illustration breaks down because the body, it may die. The body's gonna rot someday, right? But well, when you, the, the type, well, the anti-type is the church. Parts of the body of the church are souls. They're not dying. They are have eternal consequences. And so verse 26 says that we are to view each other just as important as yourself. And he uses physical pain and pleasure to illustrate that. When your hand hurts, you hurt. It, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. If you've got pain in your body, that never really leaves your consciousness, right? You just always think about it. It can ruin an otherwise good time if you're, if you're, if it's bad enough, right? And the same with pleasure, with,
1: when you feel good, you, because we're such people of the flesh, when we feel good, we're just happier. And you know, there's a point where, you know, what you expect? When we hurt, we're not as happy. We get in the physical
0: realm. And so that's why he says, if you love one another, if you understand yourself as a body, when when I see any member of the body, when they're doing well, I'm happy for them, and when they're in pain, I'm not happy about it. I suffer with them. If there's something I can do to help them, I'm right there.
1: Again, it, 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 it's something, the illustration is so simplistic that we probably don't really pay attention as we should. But when my head hurts, what was like when my leg hurts, uh, I don't like, like if I've got a, I, I think I've had a stress fracture in my foot
0: once or twice. Maybe anybody had right now. And when you have that stress fracture,
1: uh, I don't just ignore it. It will just get worse. It will never heal, right? You, you do what you've got to do so that it gets
0: better. When I see somebody suffering, if I can do anything to alleviate that,
1: that's what I do. Because I don't like to see their pain. but I love them. So if I love you when I hurt,
0: then I hurt
1: when you hurt. And
0: I'm glad when you are blessed regardless of the circumstances, regardless of my circumstances. And, and so it's speaking more about than just a prayer request. So when you're when you hurt, if you're doing what Paul is saying here, and I see you hurt,
1: and, and my only response is, well, frankly, yeah. yeah. I mean that's good, it should but no, if there's more that we can do, then that's what we do. We, I want us to be careful that we don't and it's you know, I, I'm no
0: doubt I'm guilty of this too. I'm thinking, well, I'm praying, but have I sat
1: down and thought about, okay, what can I do? You know, what what can I do? think keep to my prayers, you know, that type of thing. Certainly when my back hurts, I don't just offer quick prayer, right? Again, you can use the illustration, you know, my back hurts, uh, I I do what I have to do to make that better if I can possibly do it. I don't just pray. And so I say, verse 27 sums it up, I think, pretty well to this point.
0: And so, verses 28 through 30, and God has appointed in the church first apostles. This is kind of a, hey, he's kind of starting to uh, get to the point that he'll. That Transition to chapter 13. Have we talked about the members of the body? And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helpings, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And so now he's showing us how the church as a body with different
1: gifts function together
0: as the physical body he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles,
1: do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And of course, the answer is no. But he says, earnestly desire the higher gift. So he says, "There is
0: everybody's not got the same gift, but there is one ingredient other than the Holy Spirit that all must have, if the body is going to work together in the fashion that it should. Of course, that's going to be love, as we'll get to, Lord willing, next week. So in this context, it's clear that his point is that God doesn't equip everyone to have a prominent role in the church, even though all have a vital role. And it's ultimate application is that exalting tongues as more important than the
1: other gifts. Think about these gifts that just a The church can't function without them. If all they did when we come to church is speak in tongues, which so historically has certainly been the case a large degree, nothing is accomplished. We'll get to that uh, in chapter 14 especially. So I don't think we need to spend a lot of time going through these gifts in detail. But the fact that they are listed here doesn't prove that they are all still for today. I think the gift of the apostleship is a clue here. And, you know, that's I think the case can be biblically made that apostleship is not continued today. So just because you listen doesn't mean that it goes along with gifts and feelings and, and so forth
0: means they must be in
1: every church today because apostles certainly aren't as well, right? So I think that's one thing to think about. But the church, um, the, the gift of apostleship, the church is built on their foundation. They they, they are listed first, I think, primarily because we needed these apostles to give us the word of God so that the church could be built upon the foundation of the gospel. So they had to come first because the church is built on their foundation. Them and the prophets of the Old Testament, right?
0: And so I think that just makes
1: sense. But there is today,
0: uh, there is no gift of apostleship as there was in the uh, New Testament. The apostle was one who was given to thirteen men who were official witnesses of God, uh, of Jesus Christ of the gospel, and who were uh, commissioned to write the word of God and to uh, establish the church. That was an apostle. Was. But there are plenty who believe in themselves to be apostles today, and they would read this verse and say, Well, look, it's, it's lifted as a gift, so why can we have
1: apostles today? The problem is, nobody's seen Jesus. Jesus has, now well, there are those who claim Jesus has appeared to them, but it's funny, it's always been private. private. You know, the apostles in the New Testament, uh, they, everybody knew who they were, they had
0: seen Jesus. Uh, they, you know, uh, no one had to rely only on what they said. He say, well, what about Paul? Nobody saw him he met Jesus necessarily. Well, he demonstrated the gifts of the, uh, of, of the Spirit, right? The gifts of apostleship. He healed. He did miracles. He
1: spoke in tongues. He did those things so that they knew that he had been with Jesus. So they were different. A true was used for others in the New Testament. Like Barnabas, I believe, was called an apostle. But remember, the apostle, the the word just means a messenger. Well who is sent
0: to do something. And so they were apostles but with a small A. Just because the word apostle is used does not mean that every instance they were they had the same apostolic authority in the church that the original thirteen did, including Paul, right? And that needs to be understood because there are a lot of people who, churches that have just gone all over the place because they think that there are people
1: who have the gift and authority of the original apostles. And they start telling people how to live their lives right? and and uh, nobody can verify it. That's done a lot of damage to the church. So there is a debate as to whether be born or given in these uh, gifts here. Uh, that the order means that is order. Like the order that can be order that may arrive in the church if it it's biologically or is the order of Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So he's willing to work, to use his gifts to help others. Philippians 2.25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger to minister to my need. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So here a man almost died in exercising his gifts of administrating, or in this case, in particular, helping. That's how important these gifts are. And they're, in, they're plural because they could be used in a number of ways. But just think about administration. To be able to administrate, to be, gifted to get things done to be able to organize to see how things can be done maybe more efficiently because if i'm the only administrator in this church man we're all we're in all sorts of trouble because it just there's just people who can do those things better it doesn't mean we we all might be able to do it a little bit but some just do it right do it right right i wouldn't be surprised that these two gifts were the least surprised by the corinthians perhaps that's why paul List them because he listed before tongues because the Corinthians were, some of them were casting disparity on those as not as important as what they could do. And I think that's his point all along. It is easy for us to completely get sidetracked as to think what is important, what is not. So we can become focused on singing, even the preaching, the teaching, but forget the practical use of those things as important as it is to to preach and teach the Word of God, if that doesn't bring transformation and service, then it hasn't accomplished anything. It's not not the point. Uh, We don't preach just so we can learn facts. So church can become all about the service. Now, Now listen to what I'm going to say here and I'll be done. The church can become all about the service and not the serving, and you know, we call this the service. And we are being served as a minister. I'm ministering to you, Christ. You are being served, Christ. You're being served, the Word. We call it the service. It's kind of come to mean uh, the, the the whole meeting together and all that's being done. But if the if in being served, Christ, you don't become service, it, it becomes ironic. You're being served, but you're not using it for the right purpose the very name that we call what we are doing right now becomes anything but a means to serve christ or the body see we don't we don't come to we don't have a service so that we can be entertained by the music it it, doesn't mean that it can't be a great part of the service but we come to learn how to serve how to submit to christ But this service is to serve both, not uh, not to become a platform for people to show off what they can do, which seems to be what's going on in Corinth, and, and I think it's happened a lot of churches today. It's not about, look what I can do, how much I can serve Christ. We are serve Christ in the Word so that we can become servants. And if we miss this, we begin to build a faulty foundation from the start. So first and foremost we come to be served and by the uh, by the Lord through his word. In response to being served Christ, we serve him in our praise, in our thankfulness, in our prayers, in our giving, and in our service to each other. Then we go out and serve the Lord by serving others, right? So we'll say verse 31 really till next week because that introduces us into chapter 13. I think it really could be part of that chapter. But he is saying that while all don't have the same gifts, there are there's one thing so important that all are to pursue and have it above all the gifts that he has mentioned so far, because without it, we can't the gifts become useless. And of course, that's love and love is the fulfillment of the law of God. Right. So without it. Nothing really gets done, so we'll kind of transition into that for a while in the first part of chapter 13. All right, we'll stop there. Any
1: questions or comments? Uh, Thank you for your attention. You're dismissed.